Good morning. We're starting a new series today called Wounded Faith. There's a lot of people that Jesus healed and that have been touched by God in the Bible, and they had faith. What did they need healed for? I mean, if, if they were a Jew, they had faith. Why did they need Jesus to do anything? See, we have faith, but sometimes faith gets wounded. And we're going to look at different areas where faith can get wounded because I believe a lot of God's people today still have wounded faith. It doesn't mean we don't have faith. It's there. But there's like a, like a speed bump. We, we need help reaching what we believe. And one of those speed bumps is forgiveness. That's what we're going to talk about today <clears throat> is forgiveness. Sometimes we just need a speed bump. You know, we just need help to get over that speed bump to forgive. You know, I had to forgive the other day, just yesterday. This is the cup that gave me some grief. There's nothing in it. It's a prop. In fact, I wrote, don't throw this away, because it's a prop. But this is the actual cup that gave me grief yesterday. There's not a lot of things that I'm really, really great at. But one thing I'm really great at is buying a cup of coffee. I know how to do it. I've done it hundreds of times. And when you do, when you buy a cup of coffee, you learn things about, about it. You see, one of my pet peeves, I hate it when they do, when, when they, when they do this. They, they take a cup and they fill it up like to here. You know what I'm saying? Like they fill it up. And then you get the, they're like, here you go. And then you get your cup and you just squeeze it a little bit. And Has this ever happened to anybody besides me? It's like, and then you got coffee everywhere or you put it down and you start driving. Just the tiniest little bump. Coffee's all over your car. Coffee's all over me. Maybe you can hold a cup of coffee and maybe you walk like a princess. But I walk like I walk. And when I walk the way I walk, coffee gets all over. If it's all the way up to the top, it just... Because I don't think about it either. I'm like, oh, hey, look at that. And then coffee's all over my arm. So I learned how to deal with this. I order a small coffee in a medium cup. See? So it's a small coffee in a medium cup. It only comes up about that high. And that gives me some room at the top for there to be a splash room. So I go, hey, look at that. And it just kind of splashes around. I get it and I squeeze it and it just kind of goes up a little bit. I put it in my car and it splashes around and it doesn't actually come out and ruin my day. Is anyone with me? Does, am I the only one that... That's how I think about it. I don't want a small coffee in a medium cup. I've ordered this hundreds of times at various coffee shops. Every place I go, there's never a problem. Sometimes they need clarification. You, you need small small coffee in a medium cup? And I say, yes. And they go, oh, okay. That's the most I've had to explain. But yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, I went to one of those, I was in a supermarket. And if there's, like in Fort Wayne, you know how some supermarkets have a Starbucks inside the supermarket? That's just more reason to get another coffee. So I went to one of those. And the barista apparently had not gone through the proper Starbucks training. And I went up and I said, she's like, I'm going to take your order. And I said, yes, I'd like a small coffee in a medium cup. And she said, well, I'm going to have to charge you for the medium. This has never happened. 
I, I give her the benefit of the doubt, and I said, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You must not have understood. I want a small coffee, just, just a small amount of coffee. I want you to put that in a medium cup, you know, so I don't spill it. And she says again, I heard you, <laughs> but I'm going to have to charge you for the medium anyway. And I wanted to pull out my phone and open the Starbucks app to demonstrate to her just how wrong she was. Because that is an option in their app. It's on the Starbucks menu. Small coffee, medium cup. It's possible. But she's going to have to charge me for the medium anyway. This is not fair. This is an injustice. I'm right. And I thought about pulling that app just to show her how, how wrong she was and how right I was. But I knew after that I'd have to say thank you very much. Come to my church tomorrow. I'm going to use you as a sermon illustration. So I, just, I wasn't going to do that. So I sucked it up and I just decided I need to forgive. It's not worth 37 cents to stay upset about that. And so I looked at her and I said, Okay, charge me for a medium. And although I paid for this much coffee, I got this much coffee. And I got overcharged 37 cents. I'm okay with that. It wasn't worth the fight to show her that I was right and she was wrong. Although, I was right and she was wrong. <laughs> it's true. I have their menu. It says it's there. But I had to let it go. That's just kind of a silly example. And I, I, I would hope most of us would be able to let go of something like the 37 cent um, uh, disagreement. We could just forgive that pretty easy. But, but how many understand what I'm saying? You've seen something bigger that's not quite, a, it's a little bit more than 37 cents. It's a little bit more hurt than that. Uh, we need to forgive. That's what we're talking about today. I'm going to put this down so I'm not holding an empty cup the whole time. Here's a sentence that I, that I hope sinks into all of us today. Anytime an injustice or hurt removes my peace, I need to forgive so my heart can be whole. I could have stayed upset over, like it wasn't really the 37 cents that bugged me. It was the fact that I was dealing with somebody that didn't know what they were talking about. She had such an attitude about it. I wanted to smack her. <laughs> You're laughing because you know the feeling. But I had to let it go. I had to let it go. You see, that I was not going to allow that injustice. Okay, it's a silly injustice, but it's an injustice that I got overcharged for my coffee. It's a silly one. I had, anytime that injustice, I was not going to let it take away my peace. I was not going to let it start even a little bit of bitterness because a, little, a seed of bitterness turns into a root of bitterness and a root of bitterness turns into whoop, a tree of bitterness. And I was not going to have a tree of bitterness in my life. wasn't going to happen, so I let it go. Anytime an injustice or hurt removes my peace, removes your peace, we need to forgive so our hearts can be whole. Has that happened to you? You had something remove your peace? Has it happened to you in the past year? 
You lost your peace. You know somebody that lost their peace. There's a lot of peace that's been lost. Anytime we lose our peace or bitterness starts to take hold, we have to forgive, let it go, so our heart can be whole. This isn't uh, peripheral to our faith. This isn't off to the side of our faith. Forgiving is very central to the gospel. Jesus grabbed the cross. When he grabbed that cross, he didn't say, hey guys, let me take care of this for you. He took care of it for you. But he said, hey, take up your cross. Follow me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Hey, Matt, do this too. I'm doing this. If the cross was one big act of forgiveness, if the, and that's what it was. The cross was a big act of forgiveness. It was cutting. Jesus cut the, 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 the continual cycle of paybacks and revenge. He stopped it and forgave. He said it on the cross. Father, forgive him. If that was the gospel and he says, take up your cross, then we must also forgive. Okay, Jesus. If we're going to be a Christ follower, we have to take up our cross. And our cross is to forgive. Let it go. Let it go. Stop the cycle of paybacks and revenge. Absorb the blow. Take up our cross. If you live with unforgiveness, I believe you have wounded faith. You may have faith very well, but you have wounded faith. And when you're wounded, you're not going to be a very effective soldier. You're not going to be a very effective worker for the kingdom. Like you might be able to, I mean, you got a big lump on your back. You got a kink in your back. I mean, you're still around, but what are you going to be able to do? You can't, you can't do any heavy lifting for the kingdom of God. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. In fact, Jesus is pretty clear. Uh, I'll read Colossians uh, 3.13. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I wonder what he means. Hmm. Could he have said something to make that more clear? I don't think so. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's pretty... Matthew chapter 6, Jesus takes it a step further. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's a big deal. This is a big deal in Christianity. Um, So let's let it go. Let's let it go. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 37. If you have your Bible, you can flip there. We're going to look at the life of Joseph. Because Joseph had so much junk he needed to forgive. We're going to look at some of, the, some of the stories in his life and what we can learn about forgiving from his life. Here's number one. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. Number one, doing the right thing can still hurt you. How unjust is that? Anyone ever do something good and it bites you in the rear? You're not the first person. Joseph was like that. In Genesis 37, Joseph brought his father a bad report about his brothers. So his brothers were being naughty. And he was the right moral soul that went and told on him. He was a tattletale because of his 
right moral soul. And because of that, his brothers all hated him. How unjust is that? How unjust is that? You do the right thing and then you're hated for it. In Genesis uh, 37, verses 5 through 10, it says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to me, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. See, that dream came from God. Wasn't his fault. God gave it to him. And because of what God gave him, his brothers hated him all the more. Oh, the injustice. Let's continue on. Then he had another dream. Oh, poor guy. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Oh, poor Joseph, didn't know when to keep his mouth shut. He had a high moral standard and his brothers hated him. He was given a dream from God. God gave it to him. And he was hated for it, rebuked for it. Do you suppose he had wounded faith? Joseph did all the right stuff, but the right stuff still hurt. What, what would you, how would you feel? God gives you a dream, and then people hate you because of it. You're going to trust God a second time on the second dream? Not unless you forgive. Not unless you let it go. See, what's interesting there is, is I think... Um, Certainly, Joseph had wounded faith. I don't believe for one minute when these hurts occurred to Joseph's life, I don't believe for one second that he didn't have a few shake-your-fist-at-the-sky moments. I'm sure he cried. I'm sure he was upset in some way. But we don't have any record of it. If he wasn't upset by these hurts that happened to him, something's wrong with him. He's not human. But we don't have record of it because it didn't define his life. He kept forgiving. He kept forgiving. And in this case, he did the right thing. He did what God said, and hurt had to come upon him. How interesting is it that he needed to forgive God? Which is repenting for your misconceptions of God. God, I forgive you for the way I felt when you didn't Let me have that job. I see now I need to repent. Because you don't always just give everything I want. You do what's right for me. So I repent of the way I thought you were working. And I trust you to work however you want to work. It's it's just releasing it. Some of us, I'm, I'm using, I'm being cheeky with the words forgiving God, but... It's repenting and putting your will in line with the will of God and trusting him. Otherwise, we can, there's people that have been hurt. They felt like they've been hurt by God. 
God let, let my loved one die. And they stay bitter at God because they feel wronged by God. Listen, repent of your misconceptions of God. Of God God's not a Santa Claus that just makes everything perfect. And so when I say forgive God, I mean repent of your misconceptions of God. Why is it that when we do the right thing, we still get hurt sometimes? I think it's this. Righteous living is often very offensive to others. It's offensive to others. The Bible talks about it a lot. 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you don't feel any degree of persecution against your faith, according to this verse, why might that be? Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Lord, stir up a desire to live a godly life in your people. Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. I don't, I don't like verses like that. I think Christian suffering, at the very most basic sense, it means at least this. This is my paraphrase. Suck it up and do what you're supposed to. Suck it up and do what you're supposed to. Not forgiving is a whole lot easier. It was a whole lot e- Like, I could have destroyed that barista's self-confidence yesterday. And there was a big part of me that wanted to, because she didn't know what she was talking about. But I didn't need to. There was no need for that. You see, living according to godly standards is initiating a confrontation with an ungodly society which can be taken as judgment. It's like this. I like to say it like this. When I will God's will, when what I want is what God wants, and someone else wills their will in a godless society, it's going to be felt like a fight. That hurt. I should have been more careful. Where am I? Wow. When I will what, I, what, what, what God wills, and someone else wills their ungodly will, it's going to feel like a fight. It's going to be perceived by them as judgment. We don't have to judge, but when I walk in a righteous way, it will feel in contradiction to the people around us. We should live that way. But I fear too many of us don't because we would prefer to fit in. You are a Christian. You're not supposed to fit in. The New Testament refers to us as a peculiar people, a called out people. We're different. If, you, if you're fitting in everywhere you go, bad news. You're, you're not doing it right. You, I hope you fit in here in the body of Christ. But when you go into a dark world, you should be light, not blend in. You should stick out. So what will you do when doing the right thing backfires? Maybe, maybe you choose not to cheat. And someone says, come on, you goody two-shoes. What's your deal? Just, just pass the answers down. Or if you, if you prefer to keep your language clean and you get called virgin ears or... 
or you refuse to lie, lie to your boss and your commitment to your, bo- to your job is questioned. Come on. Just, just lie to him. It's not a big deal. Or, or just by walking away from jokes you shouldn't laugh at. And then people say, what's your problem? When you do that, well done. You're doing it right. You're doing it right. But when that happens, it's a wound. It can be a wound. It can wound our faith. Oh, I did the right thing, and now, now look at me. I thought I was supposed to be like big man on campus, and now look at what's going on. Take that wound to the Father and let it be healed. Otherwise, you're going to carry it with you. And that's no way to live. All right, here's number two. You can get hurt by things out of your control. You can get hurt by doing the right thing. You can get hurt by things out of your control. In Genesis 37, we see the story of Joseph. His brothers say, you know, we're, we're tired of this dreamer. And they throw him in an in a empty well, a cistern. And, and they say, we're, gonna, we're just going to kill him. We're, we're going to kill him. And then they, they talk and some other things happen and they agree, hey, let's just sell him. There's some Midianites going by. Let's just sell him as a slave and have him gone and we'll tell dad that he was killed. And so that's what they do. His brothers sold him into slavery. Totally out of Joseph's control. He can't do anything about it. He's the youngest and they all strong, strong arm him and sell him as a slave, and off to Egypt he goes. As a young man of 17, everything in his life got thrown into a bucket, shook up, and dumped back out. Life as he knew it, destroyed. Totally flipped. Anyone ever had something happen to you that was out of your control? Maybe you got fired. Maybe someone you loved died. Maybe there was an unfaithful uh, unfaithful spouse. Oh, that hurts. It's out of our control sometimes. Again, here in this story, what did Joseph do? We have no record of him throwing a pity party as he, got into, as, as he went off to, to, to be sold into slavery. We don't have a record of him throwing a pity party. But do you suppose he probably did? If he didn't get a little upset... Was he, like, something had to be wrong with him if he didn't get upset. He's human. But we don't have any record of of him shaking his fist at the sky when he was chained up and on the way to Egypt. We don't have any record of him crying and sobbing and begging to the Lord for mercy when he was in, uh, on the the slave block and was sold to be the slave in Potiphar's house. We don't have any record of him having wounded faith because it didn't define him. He knew what to do with his wound. I'm sure he had wounded faith. It just didn't stay that way. Folks, we got to live that way. He forgave as he went. He maintained his godly life and he never took on a woe is me attitude. See, Joseph understood. He had He had no control over the thing that happened to him. He had no control over the offense, but he had control over his heart. And he still chose to live without bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it. Type it in the chat. Say it to the person next to you. See to it. That was wimpy. Say it to the person next to you. See to it. There you go. See to it. That means you can control it. See to it. You have an effect over this. You can do something about this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God 
and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You may need today to forgive someone, maybe your father or a neighbor, for something that happened 40 years ago. You've been carrying that unforgiveness. Take your wounded faith to the Lord. It won't get fixed unless you go to him. You may need to today to forgive that, that person that you had a disagreement with a couple years ago. Do you, ever, do you ever find yourself in the car or in an empty bathroom arguing with someone that's not there? You know, like if you, like, like, like the, oh, I should have said it. And like you remembered the zinger that you, for, that you didn't think to say then, but now you remembered, I should have said it. And so you keep going back to say it to them. They're just not in the room. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Yes, I, okay, yes. Everyone's saying yes, which tells me, nope. If I only had that zinger, if I could say it. Listen, listen, when you do that, you're having, do you realize that you're having a fight with somebody that has no idea they're fighting with you? They're done with it. It's your problem. Forgive. If you're still arguing with somebody two years after they're out of your life, you need to forgive. Let it go. Let it go. Today, you may need to forgive people who are in the grave. Dead. But they still have a control over your life. It's not, it's not them. It's you allowing it. You have the ability to forgive. The breakthrough you keep looking for isn't going to come unless you get rid of your bitter roots. It's not. That, when Jesus said, uh, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. When Jesus said that, that word forgive, that also can be used uh, when referring to like, let, letting someone go free, like deliverance, freeing someone. If you want to be free, forgive. Forgive. It's, it happens first. Thank you. It happens first. If, if as, as I'm talking, something's stirring inside of you and you're like, like yeah, well, I... I, I I thought I forgave that, but oh, I'm feeling it. Oh, he's really touching something. Uh, forgive. Make a decision, forgive. But if that's hard, and it feels like there's something blocking you, like, I, I, just, can't, I just can't forgive him. I just can't forgive that. I need, I need, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that without help. Hey, guess what? We're a church. We can help you with that. We have a deliverance process, and step one on it is to help you Forgive. We have a worksheet that guides you through how you can forgive. We have some videos that teach you how it works. If you need help forgiving, I encourage you to get started with the deliverance process. And to do that, in the, if you're watching online, there's a spot in the public chat uh, where you can op- hit, you know, right-click and open in a new tab um, the website. But, but you can remember mynewhope.in. Just go to mynewhope.in and tap on, I want to get free. And all the information you need to start the process for us to help you Forgive and get free is right there on that page. All right, here's number three. God wants to work through your hurt. God wants to work through your hurt. I'm going to summarize the story in uh, Genesis 39. Joseph was sold as a slave to this captain of the guard, Pharaoh's captain of the guard. His name was Potiphar. And And Joseph was such a good slave for Potiphar 
God's blessing was on Joseph. And it was like a Midas touch. Everything Joseph did, it just worked really well. And, and Potiphar was so impressed with Joseph, he put him in charge of his whole household. Everything, Joseph, just, just run my whole house and it'll be good. I'm going to go work. And he leaves. But you see, Joseph had a problem because he wanted to live in a right relationship with God. And Potiphar had a wife. The Bible doesn't tell us her name, but I like to think that it was Potiphar. <laughs> Potiphar was married to Potiphar, maybe. Because she had the hots for Joseph. And she said, Joseph, 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 Potiphar's out of town. Come to bed with me, Joseph. And he says, no, ma'am. And Hadifer says, no, 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 Joseph, come on, come to bed with me. And she grabs, she grabs his coat. She, she, she grabs what he was wearing. Come on, come to bed with me. It'll be fine, no one will know. And he says, no, ma'am. See, because he's going to live righteously, and he, he's willing the will of God, and there's someone else in an ungodly society willing their will. It's going to come off like a fight. And he says, no, ma'am, I'm not coming to bed with you. She says, come on, Joseph, come, come to bed with me. And he says, no, ma'am. And to get away, he just takes off and he lets her, he just took off his whatever he was wearing and she was left holding his clothes. And he ran because he wasn't going to be around that. And when Potiphar came home, he looks at his beautiful wife, Potiphar, and says, Potiphar, how was your day? And she holds up Joseph's clothes and says, look at this. Joseph raped me. And Potiphar said, no, and threw him in jail. Again, he gets in trouble for doing the right thing. Do you suppose he had a shake your fist at the sky moment? At least a little bit. Do you suppose he cried at least a little? Of course, this had to have wounded his faith. But we don't see a record of it. Because it didn't define his life. He forgave as he went. He lived a lifestyle of forgiving. And into prison, he went. You see, Joseph didn't know the end of the story. We can see now, if you know the end of the story, you know Joseph becomes king of Egypt. For him to be king of Egypt, he had to have a link to Pharaoh, which was the cupbearer. He never would have had a link to Pharaoh unless he was in jail with the cupbearer. He never would have gotten in jail with the cupbearer unless he was in Potiphar's house where he got leadership training which prepared him for his future. He never would have been uh, in Pharaoh's house, or Potiphar's house, if I said Pharaoh, I meant Potiphar. He never would have been in Potiphar's house if he hadn't been sold into slavery by his brothers and he never would have been sold into slavery by his brothers if he didn't get hated for doing the right thing. Ouch, 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 ouch. Hello. <laughs> we see the story now. And when, we, when you hear the whole story, we look at it. And, and we see, oh, God, God's preparing Joseph for something. He's, this is a setup. And we see it. But Joseph was in the middle. He didn't, he didn't have the book of Genesis to read. He was, he was being it. He was, he was going through it, Literally. How are you when you're in the middle of what God's doing? Some of us are ready to throw in the towel when we get a D minus. God, how could you let this happen? Or if you lose your job. Oh, God, 
Forget it. If you can't keep me on a steady first shift job, first shift job I can't follow you. Some of us live this way. This bad thing happened. I can't follow God now. He let me down. Oh, that's not, that's not how it works. You see, you're just in the middle of it. God wants to work through your hurt. He's not causing hurt to punish you. He's allowing hurt because he will work through the hurt. Joseph didn't know the rest of his story, but he knew who was holding the rest of his story. And that was enough for him. I hope it's enough for us. I don't know what's going to happen later. I don't hold the rest of my story. When you, you, you can, you're allowed to hold the rest of your story. It's called bitterness. You're allowed to hold the rest of your story. It's called unforgiveness. And you'll go through your whole life bitter and unforgiving. Or you can allow God to hold the rest of your story and you can be free. Joseph didn't know the rest of his story, but he knew that God was holding the rest of his story. Will you allow God to hold the end of your story? As long as you're holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness, you're holding on to the end of your story. God isn't. So give it to him. Karma is not the final word. Giving people what they deserve and embracing the cycle of paybacks and revenge is not the final word. Jesus' work on the cross, forgiveness, is the final word. Let me tie up the story. Joseph becomes king of Egypt. And his brothers and his whole family back home, the people that caused all this pain and hurt in his life, they're in a pickle because there's no food. There's a famine. And the only people that have food is Egypt. Joseph. And so his brothers come and they bow before him. They don't recognize him and they say, oh, king of Egypt, king of Egypt, please give us food. Ha ha. Finally, the great moment of retribution we've been waiting for in this story. Joseph finally has the ability to say, you all will go to jail. Do you see what my life has become now? Ha ha. Like that's what I would do. <laughs> Put him in jail. Let him rot. But Joseph didn't live that way. He embraced forgiveness. And in Genesis chapter 45, he says, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Let me give you four, deliver- four forgiveness Facts. Four facts about forgiveness. Here's number one. Forgiveness is not amnesia. Anyone ever heard the advice, for, oh, just forgive and forget? It's bad advice. It's bad advice. You can't not, not remember things. I mean, I guess in Men in Black they did, like, watch the pen, flashy thing, right? There's no Holy Spirit flashy thing. You're going to remember You're going to remember things. That's not forgiveness. It's not amnesia. We have proof from the story of of Joseph that he remembered exactly what his brothers did to him. He knew it. He forgave anyway. Forgiveness is not amnesia. Joseph remembered what his brothers did to him, but he did not remember it in a toxic way. Right? That's the difference. Here's number two, the second forgiveness fact. Forgiveness is a choice. 
Forgiveness is a choice to end the cycle of revenge and payback and leave injustice in the hands of God. You want me to just give it up? You want me to just, just let them go? Just let them off the hook? First of all, yeah. It's, it, it, it's, not a vac- it's not weakness to let someone off the hook. It's not weakness. If you think it's weakness, try it. It's a whole lot harder to let them off the hook. But it's not, that, it's not just that you're letting them off the hook. So you, you put them on God's hook. As long as they're on your hook, you're holding the story. So get them off of your hook and let God deal with it. Let God deal with it. God won't deal with it unless you release it. You've got to put it on his hook. You've got to choose to forgive. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come on up and get into position. We're going to sing in just a second. Here's number three. Forgiveness is not dependent on anyone else. Forgiveness is not dependent on anyone else. Anyone ever hear someone say, oh, oh, I'd forgive, but they're still doing it. Second graders sometimes say that. But so do some adults. I'd forgive, but they're still doing it. Or, or I'd forgive, but they're not even sorry. Why should I forgive if they're not sorry? Hey, what's that have anything to do with you choosing to be free? The, the command to forgive has no qualifi- qualifiers on what the other per- how sorry the other person is. Or even that they be living. Forgiveness is about your bitterness. It's off my hook. I'm putting it on God's hook. It's not mine to worry about. There's no qualifiers on the command to forgive. That doesn't mean to passively accept abuse. Forgiveness is not an absent, absence of healthy boundaries or a release of responsibility. But someone else is completely irrelevant to me being free. has nothing to do with it. Here's number four. Forgiveness frees us. Forgiveness frees us. Unforgiveness is bondage, church. It's not, oh, it it didn't matter. Of course it mattered. It mattered enough that it caused a wound in you. Yes, it mattered. But forgiveness is, I'm not going to let it bother me the rest of my life. I'm not going to own that pain the rest of my life. This is a big deal. Church, would you stand with me? This is a big, big deal. This is not some sidebar of the gospel. This is what the gospel is about. To live a life worthy of the gospel, I believe, includes forgiving. Jesus said that if you have a gift that you're leaving at the altar and you haven't gone and forgiven somebody, you just leave it there and you go take care of it. It's a big deal. He said he won't forgive us if we don't forgive others. If we don't carry out his forgiveness... He doesn't forgive here. This is a big deal. It's not pretty to forgive. Sometimes we got to dig back into the gunk. We have to go back and sometimes we have to go back and revisit the pain that we had and go through a dark place and then give it to God. Because if you don't go back and get the gunk, you can't give it to him. Yesterday I was mowing my lawn and uh, took my lawnmower past a bush and I saw this itty bitty bunny rabbit. Apparently under that bush there was a um, nest of bunnies. And this itty bitty bunny rabbit got scared and he ran out from that bush and he ran over by my house. And I saw him and I thought, oh poor guy, hope he gets back under the bush. 
So I go back and I come back the other way and I kind of look over by my house to see if he was there and I was like, oh, he didn't, I, I don't see him there. He must have gotten back under the bush. And then I kind of look down. I have a basement window. It's like my ground, ground level. And there's, I forget what it's called, egress or something like that. There's like a basement window that's lower. There's a little hole right there by the window. And I kind of looked down and that rabbit had fell, fallen down. Something happened in his life. There was a big in his life. And he got scared, ran, and fell in a pit. And I thought, oh, poor guy. He can't survive. He's never going to get out of there. No one can get in and no, no, no mama bunny is going to hop in there and feed him and hop back out. He's good as dead. Unless... Unless I turn my mower off and put on a couple gloves and reach down to the dark place. I expected this itty bitty bunny to run around and run from me. He didn't. He just sat there and let me. I just reached right down, picked him up, put him on solid ground, and off he went. He had to go to a dark place before I could rescue him. I believe some of us are stuck in a dark place and we're scared to revisit the dark place because it hurts. It's painful. But unless you revisit it, you can't take it to God. So today, let's revisit it. Lord, I pray that right now you would reveal to your church areas in our lives where we need to let it go. Areas in our lives where there is bondage and bitterness. There's frustration. There's something we haven't let go of. Show us who and what to forgive. To please you, God. Now remember, unless we forgive, freedom doesn't happen in our lives unless we forgive. So we're going to cry out to the Lord today for freedom. We can say, save me, Lord. Free me, Lord. Save me. The Hebrew word for that is Hosanna. Free me, Lord. Free me from this bitterness. Free me from this bondage. Heal my heart and make it clean. Let's sing that, make it our prayer. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Let's sing just that much again. Heal my heart. Let's all lift our voices and sing it. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Lord, I pray that we would love and forgive like you have loved and forgiven us. Lord, we cry to you, Hosanna. Save us, deliver us, bring freedom to our lives as we surrender to you. Lord, you are king, you are ruler, and we put you in the right place. Thank you for your forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that you would now give us the power and help us forgive others around us. Let's all sing it together. I see the King.